to some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Um, Halloween. You know, the one with the guy in the white mask who walks around and stalks babysitters. Hi, I'm Shah. I'm Ollie. And we are Creeping It in the Family, a podcast where we dish details about all things horror. Episode 17. I'm right. I'm going to keep the audio recording. I'm sure. It's 17. Insidious was 16. Right, okay. Episode 17. I thought it was 16. <laughs> all right, cheers. Sure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it'll stop the recording if I go off the No, I better not do that again. Yeah. I'm not being funny, but I've already fucked it up twice. I can't do it a third time. I've got no idea what this episode's going to be about. Okay, I've so. nothing. This is the little one-off episode that we do every other week, and it's my turn this week. So originally, I wanted to do something on cults after the previous paranormal discussion, because we got into that whole culty debate. But one of my students actually requested I did this a couple of weeks ago, and I promised that I would. And so this is this is for said student. So, Before we start, just shout out Joe Berridge, just in case he's listening. Shout out to Joe Berridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? Well, carry on. It just, there's no reason. Just carry on. Okay. Just shout out Joe Berridge. Shout out Joe Berridge. <laughs> okay, so let's get to it. So when young children started showing up dead in New York in the 1920s, people blamed a werewolf or a vampire. In fact, the serial killer was labelled many things, such as Grey Man, the werewolf of Wisteria, the Brooklyn vampire, the moon maniac, and the boogeyman. However, his real name was Hamilton Howard Albert Fish. Right. Known as Albert Fish. Do you know anything about him? No. Nothing at all? No. Hmm. It's quite a... I wouldn't call him prolific, but, he, like, you've heard, like, people hear of him. Not a clue. Okay. So, going into this with Virgin Ears, are you ready for this? I'm ready. He was born May 19th, 1870, in Washington, D.C. His family... Did I say 1870? I... I... Yeah, I'm pretty, I meant to say 1870, right. so we're all good. In Washington, D.C. His family had a really long history with mental illness. His uncle had been diagnosed with mania, and that's like, from what I read, because I didn't know what it was, it's like when you're at the top of a manic episode, so if you, like it's common with schizophrenia and bipolar. Right. So it's a sustained period of abnormally elevated or irritable moods, intense energy, racing thoughts, and other extreme and exaggerated behaviours. People can also experience psychosis, which is like um, hallucinations, delusions, um, which indicate a separation from reality. So that's right. what his uncle was diagnosed with. His sister was also diagnosed with a mental affliction and his mother had visual hallucinations. So he came from a long, long like, history of mental illness. Three other relatives were also diagnosed with mental illness as well. So from a young age, he was placed in an orphanage where he was mercilessly abused in whippings and other brutal and sadistic acts. So Fish actually said, this is a direct quote, I was there till I was nearly nine and that's where I got started wrong. We were unmercifully whipped. I saw boys doing many things they should not have done. It said that this is where he developed a taste for brutality and sadism with the whippings. He loved watching the other boys in the orphanage getting whipped and in turn loved being brutalised and whipped himself. Right. You know, as Standard. we all do. Yeah. <laughs> um, in... 1880, his mother, Ellen Fish, who was now widowed, so his dad died, had managed to obtain a government job and removed Albert from his orphanage. He wasn't very well educated, they didn't really care, so he, he learned 
when he grew up he learned how to do more worky things and so he worked more with his hands than he did his brains right so fish returned to live with his mother and at that point in time he also began a relationship with another boy who introduced him to drinking urine and eating feces lovely so it all went down downhill from there really just sounds like your stereotypical guy to be fair yeah what a g so he moved to new york city in the 1890s when he was 24 years old he made money working as a prostitute himself as well as visiting brothels and getting them to use paddles and whips on him it was something he thoroughly enjoyed christ it's like some sort of like a sexy hostel Mm. weird he began to lure children from their homes Um, tortured them in various ways his favourite was using a paddle laced with sharp nails he then raped them as time went on his sexual fantasies with children grew more fiendish and bizarre often ending in murdering and cannibalising them he would also do let me get this right I don't want to get it wrong so he worked in quite a lot of disabled homes as well for disabled children and he worked in YMCA's and things like that and he got sacked from a lot of them I'll go into it a bit later so, uh, 1898, he married his wife, Anna Marie Hoffman, and fathered six children named Albert, Anna, Gertrude, Eugene, John, and Henry Fish. Apparently, they lived regularly normal lives until 1917 because uh, Anna, his wife, ran off with another man. At that time, they said that Fish started occasionally asking them to participate in his sadomasochistic games. In one such game, he asked the children to paddle him with the nail-filled paddle until blood ran down his legs. He also enjoyed pushing needles deep into his skin, like the abdomen and genital area. Jesus. It's just fucked up, then. <laughs> I love how we've got a solidly, like, halfway down before you even started going, Jesus Christ. No, so no. So his needles go into keeps, the genital area. It just keeps piling up on top of one another, one thing, one thing to another. Yeah, definitely. So since his wife had left him, Fish seemed to get more depraved. He started to write to women listed in personal columns of newspapers, describing in graphic detail the sexual acts he would like to share with them. The descriptions were so vile and disgusting that they were never made public, but they were submitted to the court as evidence in future trials. So, like, it just... You know, like the Lonely Hearts ads? Where yeah, people but what, would like, he leave his name and stuff? Yeah. And he's, what a fucking knob. <laughs> so, so he wasn't bothered about getting caught then? No. He was just living his best life. In order to support his children financially, Fish developed a skill for house painting and often worked in states across the country. Some believed he selected states largely populated with African Americans because he thought police would spend less time searching for the killer of a black child than of a Caucasian child. Thus, he selected black children to endure his torture using his instruments of hell, which included the paddle, a meat cleaver and knives. In his words, he believed that nobody would miss them. Fucking hell. Mad, isn't it? The fact this was only in like the 1890s, whatever, as well. Mm. Like, we're not we're not that far away from it. It's not been... Yeah, I get what you mean. That long. He's crazy. On February the 11th, he snatched a four-year-old boy called Billy Gaffney from an apartment building hallway with an older boy and a boy just his age. They were just playing... And uh, the older boy went inside for a few minutes. And when he came back, the two boys were gone. One of the boys was found on the roof saying that the boogeyman took Billy. A little later in the day, Joseph Meehan, a streetcar motorist, said he saw an elderly man trying to quiet a young boy. But he still heard him crying and yelling that he wanted to go home. Nobody knew what happened to Billy until Fish was arrested and confessed to killing him. After Fish confessed to the killing of Billy Gaffney, he explained what he did to him in a letter to his attorney. 
In the letter, Fish said that he tortured Billy by cutting off his ears, gouging out his eyes and slitting his mouth up to his ears. After Gaffney had died, he cut open his belly and drank his blood. When he was done drinking the blood, he cut the pieces of his body to take back home. Fish was so disgusting, he even described how he cooked the parts of the body and basically stated a recipe for eating his body parts. An example of this being roasting his genitals and behind in the oven. Fucking hell. He was only four years old. Jesus. He was just a baby. That's bad, that. That breaks my heart. Must have been so scared. Hmm. So in 1928, this was... So this is the most prolific death that Fish committed. Uh, he answered an ad from an 18-year-old Edward Budd who was looking for part-time work to help with the family finances. Fish introduced himself as Mr Frank Howard. He met with Edward and his family to discuss Edward's future. Fish told the family that he was a Long Island farmer looking to pay a strong young worker $15 a week. The job seemed ideal and the Bud family, excited by Edward's luck in finding the job, instantly trusted him because he seemed really gentle, he was really polite, really well-mannered. It was said that originally the son of the Bud family was his intended victim, so Albert Fish like went for him first, but then he set sights on somebody else. Fish told the Bud family that he would return the following week to take Edward and a friend of his to his farm to begin working. Fish failed to appear on the day promised but sent a telegram apologising and setting a new date to meet with the boys. When Fish arrived on June the 4th, as promised, he came bearing gifts for all the Bud children and visited the, with the family over lunch. To the Buds, Mr Howard seemed like a typical loving grandfather. After lunch, Fish explained that he had to attend a children's birthday party at his sister's home and would return later to pick up Eddie and his friend. He then suggested that the Buds allow him to take their oldest daughter, 10-year-old Grace, to the party. The unsuspecting parents agreed and dressed her in a Sunday best. Grace was really excited about going to the party. Actually, she will be at 10 years old, you know, just a kid's party. And she left the house but was never seen again. The investigation into Grace's disappearance went on for six years before detectives received a substantial break in the case. On November the 11th, 1934, Mrs Budd received an anonymous letter giving grotesque details of the murder and cannibalism of her daughter. The letter I have got in full for okay. you so this you imagine you've like your daughter has gone missing it's he's been she's been gone for ages and then six years later you get this letter coming through jesus my dear mrs bud in 1894 a friend of mine shipped as a deckhand on the steamer tacoma captain john davis they sailed from francis san francisco to hong kong china on arriving there he and two others went ashore and got drunk when they returned, the boat was gone. At that time, there was a famine in China. Meat of any kind was one to three dollars a pound. So great was the suffering among the very poor that all children under 12 were sold for food in order to keep others from starving. A boy or girl under 14 was not safe in the naked street. You could go in any shop and ask for steak, chops or stew meat. Part of the naked body of a boy or girl would be brought out and just what you wanted cut from it. A boy or girl's behind, which is the sweetest part of the body, and is sold as veal cutlets, brings the highest price. John stayed there so long that he acquired a taste for human flesh. On his return to New York, he stole two boys, one seven and one eleven. He took them to his home, stripped them naked, and tied them up in a closet, then burned everything they had on. Several times every day and night, he spanked them, tortured them, to make their meat good and tender. 
First, he killed the 11-year-old boy because he had the fattest ass and, of course, the most meat on it. Every part of his body was cooked and eaten except the head, bones and guts. He was roasted in the oven, all of his ass boiled, broiled, fried and stewed. The little boy was next and he went the same way. At that time, I was living at 409 E100 Street. He told me how often good human flesh was and I made up my mind to taste it. On June the 3rd, 1928, I called on you at 406 W15 Street and brought you pot cheese and strawberries. We had lunch. Grace sat on my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to eat her. On the pretense of taking her to a party, you said yes, she could go. I took her to an empty house in Westchester I had already picked out. When we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped all my clothes off. I knew if I did not, I would get her blood on them. When all was ready, I went to the window and called her. Then I hid in the closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and tried to run down the stairs. I grabbed her and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked, how she did kick, bite and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take the meat to my rooms, cook and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not fuck her, though I could have if I wished. She died a virgin. Jesus. That was, that was the end of it. Imagine getting that. So he sent that to his... He sent that to her mother. Fucking hell. Like, who the fuck would do that? I and the, you said that he was he deemed insane? No, I haven't said that yet, but it right. does get onto it. Right. So the letter was written with pure and utter sadistic intent, but it led to Fish's undoing. The parchment that he had used to write on had a letterhead above it, and although he had attempted to scribble it out, the police were able to track it to a flop house where Fish was living. Fish was arrested and immediately confessed to or to killing Grace and other children. According to detectives, as Fish confessed his gruesome murders and crimes, he was smiling as if taking pleasure in the whole affair. He confessed to the murder of five children, but he was thought to have molested around the 400 mark. He was also implicated in 15 deaths. Fish was tried in 1935. He pleaded insanity. He said voices in his head told him to kill children and commit other horrendous crimes. Despite the numerous psychiatrists who described Fish as insane, the jury found him sane and guilty after a 10-day trial. They decided that these horrific crimes were premeditated and done in a very sane mindset. He was sentenced to die by electrocution. On January the 16th, 1936, Fish was electrocuted at Sing Sing Prison in Ossining, New York, reportedly a process Fish looked upon as the ultimate sexual thrill, though later that assessment was dismissed as a rumour. X-rays previously found at least 29 needles shoved into Fish's abdomen and crotch, and reportedly, when he was electrocuted, he tripped out the electric chair on his first round of electrocution because of the amount of metal inside him. However, upon his second turn of electrocution, he died. Canal, what a cunt. <laughs> Look at you, you've had you've had one round of dropping the C bomb and now you just can't help yourself. But yeah. So is that is that the have we got more, is that the That's talking it. point? Right. So so there's no other cases? Nope, no other cases. Right, but there is so, there was a Japanese case, I think. Some questions. Yes. No, I mean there's no are you tell are there other killers you're gonna talk about? No. Right, so talk point one, do you believe in capital punishment? Yes. Really? Yes, but <laughs> 
Yes, but no. You, I know you, you can't say both. Because... If someone came to you right now and said, we're going to bring... Because we don't have it in this country, do we? No, we don't. But if they said it's down to you, would you... Like, there's a box of tick, yes or no, which one would you go for? Yes. I'd, I'd say yes. I feel I feel quite bad, in a sense, because there are there were there's been many recorded criminals who haven't actually been criminals and yeah. been sentenced to death and they didn't actually do anything. But you've got to think about the greater good. So, is one innocent man killed the same? Like, does does it and mean that we can't argue kill the guy's hundreds? already in prison for life? So, he's not going to kill anymore, is he? I would rather if capital punishment be harsher prisons thing is I think any prison is run by the inmates any prison mm. just about who you know and what money you've got isn't it like I've watched so many prison programs like not like prison break like genuine prison. have you seen the one on Netflix with that guy who goes and visits the world's toughest prisons yes that's amazing do, do you know the story behind him because he was convicted of a crime he, he didn't was wrongfully do, didn't convicted he? of murder when he was 14 I think he was 14, maybe a bit older. I've listened to a podcast with him on it. Oh, really? I ain't heard the podcast. It's Jack Mates Happy Hours. It's really good. He, t- he tells you all about his prisons and about his story. Oh, but yeah, I think that. essentially he got uh, sent down for, uh, done for murder for a crime he didn't commit and he was battling it and battling it. And he, he says that it didn't, like the fact that it was black didn't help the case. Um, and there's so many implications to it as to why, like obviously he talks about how his family like, because it, those are the questions you want to ask someone who's been mm. sentenced to life and he served a lot, a lot of it. Um, you'd want to know, like, what did your family believe you like? What was it like in prison, like? Because everyone in prison says they're innocent, but he said some people. Because I think he made friends with, I think he made friends with Ronnie Cray. Mm. I think he became quite good friends with him. Yeah, he was good friends with him. I remember him saying it in the documentary. Yeah. So, but yeah, like you say, these toughest prisons. I agree with the ones maybe in. You see the ones in like Mexico and stuff. He did one in like Africa, I believe, like around Africa's way, and that looked. Terrible. Yeah, some of them are fucking awful, but and that's what they should be. Like prisons, a place for punishment. But, pr- but you'll never get a prison like that in the UK. No, you won't because it's against the human rights. So but actually, would, so would you go with capital punishment? Yeah, then? but I wouldn't. In terms of capital punishment, I wouldn't just go the death penalty. Like I feel like there should be physical punishments for what you, for dependent on what you've done. Such as what? What physical punishments? Do I you think mean? if you're you've committed a, a sexual offence against a child, you should be castrated, or the equivalent of a woman's a woman being castrated. I don't really know what that is. The problem is that that never be that that could never happen because this there's always a side to they are still a human, and even though what they've done is inhumane, mm. does that not make because essentially you're gonna you you take away that th- th- yeah this is a problem. It, two wrongs don't make a right. So would killing them be the right thing to do? Just get them get them off the face of the earth. They're gone. They're forgotten. Then there's a, there's a counter argument that. Well, no, that that's an easy way out for him. But from what I've seen anyway, obviously, I cannot go off experience, but prisons don't seem that bad. Maybe that's just a cliche and it is. But from what I've seen and from what I've heard from people, TV's, uh, TV, prison's quite a comfortable place to be. Yeah. It, from it, what I've seen, it's not... It's not It's not intimidating. No. And you know what? What's really sad is that, you know, especially in the American justice system and the UK justice system... People go to prison willingly. They commit crimes to go to prison yeah, the, because they haven't got a home yeah. or they haven't got shelter, they haven't got food. So they commit crimes so if, that they can get shelter, which is awful. If prison was that bad, there wouldn't be so many re-offenders. 
Exactly. So I'd also go with... I, I agree with Capital Punishment. Maybe not... Not sure about... I think it should either be death or life in prison. How do you um, think they should die? I'm not sure, to be honest. And that's a good question. I, I think, think electrocution is too quick. So you're saying torture him? I'm saying it, it depends on the crime. Like, it should be... You, your death should be fitting of your crime. Like, Ted Bundy got electrocuted. I don't think that's quick enough. You know, the lethal injection is not quick enough. So no, it's want, too quick, so sorry. You want, you want a slow and painful yeah, death, it but should, that is essentially torture, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it should but it should match. The problem The problem is when it's stuff like that is it's someone's job to do yeah. that, so you're now asking them to torture yeah. another human being. But, you know, a lot of the time, death is seen as the easy way out. I, I agree with what you're saying, because in some, I, I feel... Um, well, it's like the afterlife, Ricky Gervais' show. Like, once you're not scared of death, like, if you can accept death, it doesn't matter what you do and what, what consequences come to you because you can just... If you're not scared of death, that's fine. You can just kill yourself or... Mm. Like, like you say, if you, if, you were, if you were that insane in your mind that you wanted to do all these things to people uh, and you was like, well... If they catch me, I'll get the death penalty and then I'm mm. off the face of the earth anyway. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. It does seem like an easy get out, but I think it's more for the satisfaction of others. Because I guarantee there'll be, there'll be a very small percentage of people that don't feel this, but the majority of people who get sentenced to death and are actually about to to die, mm. there'll be th- those final few minutes, they'll be thinking, like, imagine the thoughts going through your head and just thinking, why well, I, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. Well, it's the impending, mo- like, the, the one thing you're guaranteed to do in life is die, but the problem is you don't know when. So the fact, when, when you've got a date and a time being placed on your death, like, I, that must I be think, terrifying. I think it'd be torture enough knowing that you're going to die, but not knowing when. Like the fact, and I know that applies to everyone, but it's different with everyone because we still live our daily lives. But when you're in a cell twenty three hours a day, and tomorrow they could come in and say tomorrow you're going to be you're going to die. Do you think it should be a private execution or a personal execution? What do you mean personal? Like, well, not personal. Sorry, Public. but like, yeah, that's what I meant. Private. Do that, you that's think still someone's son or someone's dad? Do you think that the people that had the crimes committed against them? So, for instance, if the if so, if he was so Albert Fish was convicted of murdering Grace Bud, yeah, and Thingy Gaffney, I can't remember his name. I'm gonna Billy Gaffney. That was it. And do you think their parents should have been allowed to go see it? No, I don't. I don't feel like that. That's very much an eye for an eye. Mm. Um, I'd imagine I, this is not a stereotype, but I'd imagine a lot of dads would want to see that, but mums maybe not because dads. I think a dad would focus on who's took their baby and yeah. the mum would be like, my baby's gone. They won't be bob- They'd obviously be hurt and, and distraught about who's done it, but the fact, the biggest fact for them is my baby's gone, whereas the father might be, someone's hurt my baby. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you mean. So it's I mean, more of a protective stance, The, the, isn't the it? thing is, I think it'd be one of them things where in the heat of the moment, because once you see someone get their life taken, you can never go back on that. Obviously, I've never seen it. Um, so once you see... And that, that can change people as it is. Yeah. And... Maybe in thirty years' time, that that, that it, it'd scar them. I'd imagine for life, seeing someone else lose a life. I think it shouldn't be public because, say if say if I committed all those crimes, yeah, and none of you knew about it, for then you for then to thousands find out. of people 
to be able to watch me die. And yeah. yet that's like, I hate him, I disown him, but he's still my brother. Like, I've grown up with him. Like, it's not, I don't want loads of people seeing my death. I think it should be private. I, th- I think that, I, I know what you're saying. They shouldn't, why should he get the privilege of just having his nice own private space? Yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe there should be. I'm not saying, like, get a podium up out on the town. That I know, he lived I know in. what you mean. I know what you or mean. She like, lived in. just because from what I've seen off Prison Break, anyway, they have, like, a little spectators booth because that's where yeah. I think there's certain legality, legalities. Yeah, I that, saw it on that, Ted Bundy's. That, that film. Pe- there's certain people that have to be sat there to make sure it all goes to plan. Yeah, you've got to have, like, a coroner. You've got to have the executioner as well. Yeah. I think there's a media there to prove that it happened. No. Right. They're allowed to, they're outside, but they're not, they're not allowed inside. But I, I mean, I, another question then, um, do you think that because of the technology we have now and the media streams and things like that, do you think it particularly bother anybody? No, no, no. I saw when I was 10 years old and I didn't mean to see it. It was on YouTube actually. It got taken down very quickly after I saw Saddam Hussein being hung. It was a, it was a clip on YouTube, and I saw his hanging. Well, I have seen countless beheading videos on on Facebook and that because somehow they filter through the system mm. and they get they get shown. The guy that, and you know, in recent news, there's been the guy who shot himself in the head. Yeah, I, on saw, TikTok. I, I saw that, and video. I saw that. But actually, and it, it's quite disturbing, really. It, obviously, it was like, oh god, that's awful. But I'm not scared by it. No, I'm not. I've, the thing is, nowadays, our lives are so filled with violence and crime. Not not necessarily on a day-to-day days, but, I mean, on TV, on, mm, media. on film. Yeah, like, y- you see it a lot. So it's not... I'd imagine it would be a lot more... Say if you were the first responder to that case or something, and, like, th- there was a first person to pull up to that person who took their own life on TikTok, then it's different because it's there face-to-face. Did you see... Um, did you see... Well, you'll definitely have heard about it, but there was, like, YouTuber Logan Paul who... Filmed the, the video in the suicide forest. I saw forest. that video. I saw it before it got taken down, and that it didn't scare me. But I thought, "Fuck me!" Like that's because I think the reason why it scared me was because I know I know that this guy's a YouTuber and he's not he's not expecting to find that. A lot of people are filmed in the suicide forest just because it, it it looks good, doesn't it? It looks good for views. Like we went to Japan, Japanese mm. suicide forest. And he's, I've saw the original video. There's, I think there's ones online now where they've taken out the bad bits, but you can still see where he's and what he's doing. Yeah. But he's just there, like, recording himself with this body. And you can see it so far in the background. It's weird because you can just see this silhouette, like, hanging. And then he just does a close-up, like, from bottom to top, and his hands are blue and stuff. And, like, he's, the blur out the blur out his face, but, like, his hands and that. And you think, fuck me, like... I, I was, I wasn't scared by what I saw, but I was like, God, that could have been... That could happen to anyone, like, walking yeah. through a forest and find it. So, well, yeah. Well, I, I remember... I can't remember who... I, I do remember it because I don't want to name him on here, actually. But they found a body in Brumby Wood. And uh, they, they found a dead body uh, from a suicide in quite the same circumstance. Like, they were just walking around and they, they found it. And I've never... I've seen, I've seen an execution. I've seen a death. But I've never seen... A dead body, if that makes sense. What do you mean? What you've seen one on social media or whatever? I've seen, I've seen somebody being killed. Where? Like on social. Oh right, yeah, yeah on that's technology. What but I've that's never seen. No, no, no. But I've never seen a dead body. If that makes sense, like I, I've never seen a hanging person. I think, I think something like that is is scary because you. We're, we're so used to the type of violence and and 
blood and guts from horror films and yeah. other stuff. So when you see a beheading video or something, it's like fucking hell. But it's very linked to horror. Yeah, isn't whereas it? something a lot more. I think like a, a just a dead. I know what you're saying, like a dead cold body. That 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 would be a bit more alarming. Yeah, I think that would scare me more. Do you think it would scare you for life if you saw one? I don't think it would if I saw a dead body. I don't think it'd scare me for life, but I think it'd frighten me. Like I think it would frighten me because mm. it's it's different when it's behind a screen. But actually seeing it face to face. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I I just don't think it would it would scare. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I'd it I'd think about it a lot and it'd be on my mind, but it wouldn't scare me. If I saw, and I think it links with personal trauma as well. I think it's linked to like previous scarring. So for instance, if, you know, with mum having the brain hemorrhage, if I, if I was teaching one day and I was in the staff room and somebody dropped and had brain hemorrhage and died, mm. I think that would affect me more yeah. than seeing somebody step like, you know, I don't know, like step Fall out into the road. Yeah. Or something like that. Because it, you know, it it must be it must be hard. It must be hard. I think it'd be hard seeing someone die in front of you. If they're yeah. already dead, it'd be dead. like if you discovered a dead body. Yeah, but seeing somebody die in but front of you. But it's so many, it's so weird, like because I've watched a lot of forensic files and stuff, mm. and like a body, like they're looking for a missing person, or they don't even know a person's missing yet, and a dog walker just stumbles upon a body. Like your day just. You, you, that that's it will change your life not necessarily drastically but you'll remember that for the rest yeah, of your life you'll be haunt, it'll haunt you mm. like not in like an every night you'll have nightmares sort of thing but yeah. th that's that doesn't go away yeah i get what you're saying because it's a very i think death is a very private thing or it should be a very private thing and it's not i i think <clears throat> i think death is um this is going to sound ridiculous but i think it's taken too serious sometimes like when i'm for example, Grandma, we lost her quite a while ago now. Well, it was about, it's about 11, 12 years ago nearly now. Yeah, and, w and when people when people talk about grand grandparents or something, and I'm like, oh, mine's passed. And it's kind of like an awkward yeah, thing to like, talk oh, about. Sorry. And you're like, well, and it's like, you didn't well, do it. <laughs> that's what I mean, it's life. Like I get when it's fresh and stuff, and it's, yeah. but people like skimp around it. And, I, and it's, it's purely a respect thing. They don't want to upset you. But I think... That it's natural. Like I don't mind talking about the fact my grandma's died. Yeah, it's... and I think it's it's the amount of time that's passed, isn't it? Yeah, you don't, exactly. You, time doesn't make you forget, but it you get more used to not having them each day. Yeah, I think it's different when it, that's not like for every death. Like for example, if if a if a if some parents lose a child to it, then that's a different case because something was taken yeah. from them too young. I mean, in ter in terms of just, and I think it's the same. And again, I don't want to don't want to like rustling if ever's here but like stuff like cancer and stuff i think it's like when you hear someone's got cancer or someone died of cancer like it's quite skimpish to talk about it i don't think people talk yeah. about it enough like I, no, I yeah i see what you mean have you seen the video from that funeral um and it's it's this guy and there's loads of people around the coffin and he asked this to be played at his funeral and it was him shouting get me he pre-recorded he was shouting <laughs> get me out get me out I'm, I'm i'm in here let me out where am i have you seen it no and everyone around that obviously really sad and stuff but they're chuckling and stuff and that's how it should be when yeah. when it's not tragic circumstances but it's like it's such a sad day because we've lost a loved one but at the same yeah. time like this is the type of person who was i feel like yeah. it's i feel like I just feel like it, it, it's not talked about enough openly because it's such a it can be such a touchy subject. And I think it's such a it's such a versatile subject as well because people handle grief in different ways. Yeah. 
like you know you can just get on with it and be like you know this 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 and this you know Eloise is a prime example like her attitude towards anything that makes her sad is if I don't think about it it's it's yeah. fine and you know it's shutting it away and that's you know who am I to say that that's a wrong way to grieve or a wrong, a wrong way to be upset everybody has their own different way of doing it but it is the concept that time is the healer I mean as awful as this is going to sound it's going to sound absolutely fucking horrible like I would, cancelled, are you? I would rather talk about my dead grandma than I would Georgia yeah, because Georgia's I, 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 still yeah, very fresh. I, yeah, I, Georgia's I our dog, agree. by the way, and uh, we lost her through COVID. But you know, it's it, it's she the whole that they of COVID. We lost no, we, we, we lost, lost her through her during COVID. Lockdown, yeah. yeah, we lost her during lockdown, and uh, it's still it. You know, she was a massive part of our our family, and it was little things like it was Oliver's birthday recently, and Georgia always had the first slice of the cake like it was a tradition, and. Um, we left her we, a slice, didn't we? We left her a slice. slice. We like you. You paused over cutting the slice, and we were all sitting there with tears filling our eyes. And but it is very raw. Yeah, the th- uh, the thing is as well. I, I don't. I, I remember a lot about grandma, but I was a kid, and yeah. I think it's hard. You don't realize you've lost something when you're a kid. Mm. I think it doesn't stick with you as much. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely. I think when you're a kid, the world just flies by and things happen. But the, like you say, like like I lose, they just that you don't really acknowledge them. Like mm. I was always. I kind of felt a bit guilty when grandma died because I was thinking, I was like, when am I, sp- I, don't get me wrong, I was upset, I was really, really upset, but I, from how everyone acts around death, adults act around it and how bad it seems and I'm like, why, why don't I feel that way? Yeah, like, why the, lack what, of understanding. Yeah, why, why am I not crying every day like other people do? Yeah. And I think it's just as a kid, you just don't understand that, yeah. that they're gone forever and by the time you do realise that, time's healed anyway. So yeah, it, definitely. I think the older you get, the harder, yeah. the harder it gets. Like, I know, and, it, you know, I know it's going to happen, and I just hate thinking about it, but I know I will lose Nana at some point, and that's going to be infinitely harder Yeah. than lo- anything else. Yeah, nothing no, nothing. But it's because we're older. Yeah. And because, you know, we understand death more, and we un- we've, been, we've been old enough to make those memories. Yeah. But I do, I completely agree with you. I think death needs to be talked about more yeah because i think it does encourage people to you know this is okay you you're supposed to feel like this and if you don't feel like that that's okay as well i i i've not been to many funerals at all because i I just don't know how to act because you'll you'll know me the way i get around a bad situation is i try and make light of it just joke about it like if i do something stupid or i'm I'm in a bad mood i'll just joke about how shit my life is or something do you know what i mean i just try and make light of it and a funeral is the last place you want to do that and rightly so yeah but i'm kind of there like like not wanting to crack a joke because that's an inappropriate. But you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't like being in, and that this is just life. And it's like you say, people cope it in different ways. But I don't like being surrounded by everyone who's all really sad and really upset. Because I, I like to try and be a bit chirpy and a bit cheeky and make people laugh. But obviously, you can't do that in that environment. No. So, no. yeah, it's. I think it is one of them things where time time is a good healer and it should be t- should be spoken about and joked about and stuff yeah um but in in good time of i suppose like you said it the problem is each of their own like we we lost grandma a while ago and we can both happily not happily talk about but openly talk yeah, about yeah like we it. don't have a problem and, I, this and I won't get upset i get upset because she's not here anymore but i don't i don't look back to them times and get really upset and down yeah. about it like i probably would georgia mm. um and that's just 
That, but that's just us. Like maybe some other people were a lot close to the grandma, so they're not willing to. Talk it, yeah, about it depends. It. Yeah. And as I say, every single person's situation is different, and you will like everybody feels various levels of grief, and every every level for everybody is different. But you know, it is. It should be talked about. Like you know, as uh, there was something about. It was a couple of years ago. God, how long was it ago? Maybe four or five years ago when the bombings happened in Manchester. Yeah, yeah, Ariana Grande, yeah. And the, uh, you know, the world was silenced. Like, it was, you know, especially the UK, because this was, this was a massive, yeah. massive thing. And one of the kids came in, and, like, it, you know, we were all sombre and stuff, and one of them, like, sort of just, I don't know what they said. And I looked at him and I went, do you not feel anything? Mm. Do you not? And he went... Oh no, I wasn't there. I don't. I don't know them, and it is that sort of. And then I thought about it. And I was the, like, the actually, right, the... you if you weren't connected to it, then yeah, I can yeah, sort the... of understand it. I think when you get older, you learn, especially from being um, a year seven on. Like as you grow older, you get that ability to empathise yeah. and feel what other people are feeling. And I, you know, I I, I like to think that I empathise very well, and I. I, honestly, I think reading taught me that. Reading yeah. definitely teaches you to empathise. And, you know, I, I was really sad about it. But actually, when he said it, I was like, actually, I can't tell you off for smiling and laughing and having a good time. Because actually, yeah, there's, you, there's, you don't have to grieve. There's a fine line between... I think there's a fine line between not, not being bothered about it and taking the piss out of it because it hasn't oh, affected no, you definitely. and being respectful like like you don't have to care like like I, if you ask me do i care about like a terrorist say say for example there was a terrorist attack on i don't know america scotland japan anywhere yeah and it killed innocent people i'd i'd think yeah that's bad but i i, I don't care is such a loose phrase to use because you care because you don't want that to happen to innocent people yeah. but, it's, but it's not gonna i'm not gonna wake up tomorrow thinking any different yeah and to some people that is the case and I, I know this is only a film but you haven't seen American Sniper have you no I haven't well, it's is, got the, is it the one with the rock in it no he's um, got it like I think he's training to be in the military or like but not full on mm. or he's not even started training yet and this is what inspired but it's two Americans because it was set during the 9-11 attacks and they're watching it on TV and that's what makes him get ra- rallied up and think yeah I'm gonna, uh, this is pissing me off I won't feel like that. No. Maybe if it hit closer to home, because it's easy to say that when nothing affects you. Yeah. But even if it hit London, like I wouldn't. I'd feel awful for the people that have been affected by it. But I haven't been affected by it, so I'm not going to feel grief, grief or, or you know what I mean, be mm. really upset. But it's like say if, say if we got in a car crash and died tomorrow, just me and you. Is like not all scumfolks going to care because it doesn't affect them. It's not they didn't know us, and I think that's a similar effect. Yeah. No, you're, I get. You're I understand that. Did you not agree? Did you not agree? No, to I did. Oh, no, right. I, thought, I, I thought you went like. I'm no, sure I was like, I was one. thinking about it. No, yeah, I, I agree with that. And they, they shouldn't have to care. They, yes, everyone knows it's an awful thing that's happened, but they shouldn't have to care. Yeah. I think being so, for instance, if um, if you had a family member that died in a plane crash, and then there was a plane crash a few years later, and it was like quite a big one, I feel like you'd have because you've got some emotional trauma linked to what happened to a close family member or something you would automatically feel that pain but yeah it there's no manual to teach you how to think and feel yeah 
And I think people forget that. I'll ask you a question. So, you go to a, a comedy show and somebody, the, the comedian makes a joke about someone who's had a brain hemorrhage. Not someone's personally, but just the situation. Would you get offended by it? No. I, I watched a, I watched, well, it was a podcast and Ricky Gervais was on it. And he was describing about people who get offended at jokes very easily. Because you often see a lot of people on Twitter making a joke and then having to apologise. Yeah. Because it's blown up and they've got a lot of hatred for it. Yeah. And Ricky Gervais said that someone once approached him after a show. I think I think this is obviously might not be word for word. And he made a joke about something, and someone came up and said, I th- "Maybe it was cancer." Let's just say, for example, it was cancer. And they came up and was then, "That's not funny." Like I've so and so about cancer. Like someone I know has cancer. I'm offended by that. And Ricky Gervais would say, "I'm sorry that you're offended by it, but I'm not sorry for the joke." Um, I'm not. I'm not insulting anyone personally. I'm making light of a dark situation. I'm making yeah. people laugh over well, it. Well, humor's a humor's a like a coping mechanism, yeah. as well as it is a lot of other things. And you know, kids all the time. Of the like, you know, the a common phrase. Um, don't have a stroke. Yeah, I was. But I was I just about to say it this. doesn't. It affects Eloise. Doesn't affect me. So I think as a kid. You like to think that the world is very much against you, mm. and yeah, like definitely. at school, like if someone made a joke, uh, say like, say like this happened all with mum when I was at when I was at school, and someone said, "Oh yeah, look at that person," like, I'd, like someone's asleep in a chair, they go like they're having a stroke. I'd, I think at that age, you're like, uh, you can't say that. Yeah. Like, mom, my mum's had a stroke. That, that <laughs> yeah. upsets me. And it's same with things like cancer or like like any illness, mm. any disease. Um, like bit like a lot of the older gener not older generation but more adult people they get offended when kids use AIDS as a phrase because they it's not as not that it's not as much of a big deal now but when it first came about yeah. it was a massive massive thing so that like it be joked about yeah but I think unless someone's insulting you personally then it like aiming yeah. for you the person who it's who who's affected by it. Yeah. Then it's different, but like my mates and that are like, oh fucking, like well, someone's pissed or something. Like, oh, I having a stroke, look like because of yeah. the steam and that. And it, I, I don't feel offended by it. I don't feel like no. the t- I don't feel like the, the mocking people no. who have had strokes. They're just making a joke yeah. about what stroke people tend to look like. But I think as people get older, they're the worst for it. So they'll like. <laughs> I was in the staff room one day. I can't remember who said it, and I genuinely can't remember. But um, they went, oh, they look like they're about to have an aneurysm. And then they looked at me, and oh my god, they were like, "I'm so sorry." And I was like, "Why?" See, I used to do this to one of my mates all Why? the time. We'd make your mum jokes, and he'd say something about my mum, and me jokingly, I knew he knew that I didn't mean it, and I'd be like, "Wow, you're gonna say that about my fucking mum? Like, with, yeah. with what's happened to her?" And he'd be like, "You can't fucking say that, mate. That's not fair." Yeah. And it's true, and it's like I was on Xbox the other day with another one of my friends, and we was giving back and forths. And he was like, oh, blah, 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 that's the reason your mum's in fucking hospital. He had no idea my mum's in hospital. And when he found out, he was like, mate, mate, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I was like, I'm not offended because yeah, you, didn't, you didn't know. Like, you, di- you didn't know about it. It'd be different if he knew. And, then and he's it. making that dig about it, then yeah. But I, this is what I mean. I think people, especially now on the, on the online world, I think people, this is where this snowflake generation comes from. Yeah. Because everyone's been affected by something that something yeah. tends to offend them. Don't get me wrong, sometimes... When a joke becomes personal and it's specifically about someone, yeah. then it's not funny because you, you're laughing at that situation happening to them yeah, personally. Definitely. Then it's different. But I, like like you say, I just 
I think too many people are just so quick to jump on being offended nowadays. Yeah, 100%. I do feel it's like it's gone from not being offended at all and people thinking, oh, shit, actually, yeah, you shouldn't have said that, to everybody being offended about yeah, everything. Yeah. And it is, it's, it is a, it is a generational thing. And, you know, it's sometimes I just think, you know, it, it's not even. It's not even kids at school. They're relatively relatively all right. It's more like when, bless her, Eloise comes home and she'll be like, oh my God, this happened. And I'm like, what? why are you offended? Why are you upset? Yeah. And, you know, to her, she's really upset. And I'll never discount her feelings because, you know what, if I was probably her age in this generation, I'd probably feel the exact same way. Yeah. But I, I do think back to how it was when I was her age. And I'm like, and I never remember people people being like that from our age to her age there is a huge gap yeah, that has been ten, filled and in i forget there's like media. 10 years between me and eloise without getting into topic because it's very controversial controversial you've got all this and i am not stating any views on any of this because this is when people start getting offended yeah but this is just purely facts from when me and you was at school not that there was no such thing but it was nowhere near as big of an issue as gender identity trans yeah um just that whole type of community there was still about i'd imagine but social media has exploded because Definitely. it's given people the confidence to be like no i'm because it's a lot easier to do it from not saying the keyboard warriors but the, it's a lot easier to come out and be the self online when they haven't got people giving them stuff in their ears yeah. and not not being very kind i'd imagine so that 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 when we was at school there was none of that so i'd imagine now that's a, a massive problem You'd be surprised, actually. It's gone the other way. I feel like, you know what? I've never heard anything but kindness. And there's never... It's strange how kids just adapt to it. It's really odd. It's sort of... Social media is more the toxic breeding ground. And real life, it's sort of like, okay, that's fine. It's really... It, it's odd to be around. But it's it's lovely. And people are very accepting. And it, you know, I, I think it would have been a lot different if when yes. when I was back at school. Oh, definitely, a hundred percent. You'd been, have been ripped to shreds. Yeah, you'd have been mercilessly bullied. But it's like when I when I went to uh, where did I go last with Shah? Leeds, Leeds. Mm. Um, when I went to Leeds with Shah, and I was seeing because we went out during the night time, and we met with our uh, friend of ours and her partner, and they took us to like some quirky bars that students and stuff know about. Mm. Not really. To, to say Taurus, it's only Leeds, but they, do you know what yeah. I mean? That type of environment. And there were so many people who had like shaved eyebrows and tiny little John, and you could tell that there was, um, there wasn't your stereotypical boy or girl. There was yeah, different, gender which, fluid. Is, which yeah. is fine. But I was like, if this was in Scunny, they'd be getting spat on, lo- yeah. like rocks thrown out and stuff like that. So maybe you're right, maybe it's just more accepting because so many more of them are, are occurring. They're having the confidence to think, I'm going to. I think more. I think it's more so accepted. I I think when it ter- when it comes to LGBTQ, my stance on it, I'm quite happy to say it. As long as you're not hurting anybody else or yourself, you're free to love who you love and be who you want to be. Yeah, like that. That's my view on it, and yeah. it's non it's none of my business how other people want to live their lives. As long as they're not causing harm to anyone, like physical harm. I'm not talking people being offended. As long as they're not causing harm, that's fine. But the there seems to be a bridge. So it's this generation surging forward now have bec- the majority i know there's still some not are so accepting mm. like it's incredible how accepting they are and i do think it is from figures in the lgbtq plus community like courtney act and 
I'm gonna. Oh god, I've forgotten her I name. I know nothing about it. I've forgotten her name. She she was in Orange Is the New Black, and that's gonna. No, Laverne, it. Laverne, Laverne Cox. Is that her? Yeah, I think so. And she was she played Doctor Frankenfurter in Rocky Horror Picture Show, and you know that those sort of icons that going forward and it's incredible how much they you know give confidence and build self-esteem but then you've got the opposite side and it is the older generation largely who are offended by it it always is because it's that they've not grown up with that to them that is nonsense yeah um my my opinion is just because I like I do really think I've been fucking bothered what you want to be like. It's, yeah, it's you. It's your do business. What, like I literally couldn't give a shit about yeah. it. It's, like you do you. Yeah, like if someone if one of my mates turned out, I'd just be like, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, don't fucking bore me. I'm not asked. Yeah, but like you say, yeah, it is the older people that seem to be more offended by it um, because you see a lot of photos on Twitter and it's like, oh, people being brave in 2020 and it's someone coming out as um, a different gender or or just a different identity and then yeah. it's people brave back in 19. 30s 40s and it's people in wars so it is that type of yeah it's i think it's a different it, it, type of bravery definitely it's, it's just adapting to to different worlds yeah I, th- I do think we are in a snowflake generation and i don't and that that's in terms as well of people getting offended by what people want to be that that, that to me makes you a snowflake if you're bothered mm. about what someone else wants to be then you've got then a you're, problem then you're a snowflake yeah. why are you getting so offended it's your problem not theirs yeah. and you know as i i you know you love who you love you are who you are and that really doesn't that that's none of my business and i'm more than supportive but you know it, it i don't know it's just, it's a difficult topic because you don't want to offend anybody with what you're this, saying this so you, is a problem in you've life you've got to be Every, careful you, you're too scared to offend people like not i'm not saying you specifically everyone um and that that that's a problem it's just people should be allowed their own opinions but if if you don't like something just keep it to yourself like no one's got the power to shut anything down now really mm. like like it's all this cancel culture bullshit in it like Say something wrong. My mate, I think he'll be put, destroyed. My well, not not a mate. Not not saying I don't like him. I'm, I just don't know him that well. But I saw him put a tweet, and it was about Nicki Minaj, and he had about fucking forty Nicki Minaj accounts just going in on him. And I saw something on Twitter the other day. Someone said something. I think it might have been Nicki Minaj again. And they, they went on his this fucking cancel culture went on his pages, found his business, and like left loads of like yeah. hundreds of bad reviews. And I just like it's, it is, pe- it's, it's people fear. like that. Yeah, it's the thing is, I, I think for so long it's been. I think it, it's been a majority the in hyphens that they're called mm. the popular kids have been the one talking all the smack because there wasn't Twitter and Facebook and it was in person and you'd, you'd give someone shit in person or not necessarily the popular ones, but do you know what I mean, the vocal ones who mm. who, were, who don't mind hurting someone's feelings. Or whatever. It's all too easy to do. Whereas to now anyone can do it. So all these. Like anyone can do it and not suffer the consequences because it's online. Yeah. It's it's anonymous. A lot of it. Yeah. Not even. Yeah. You say you've got the there's like curious cat, ask ask me and stuff yeah. like that where you can post hate and. I'm... I remember when I was at, I think I was I'd left school by this point, but there was a big page on Facebook. I know you might have heard about, it, but it was called Scunthorpe Slags or something. It's still on there, I think. And it would post nude images of girls around Scunthorpe, and the way to. I think the way to gain access to view the whole photos was you had to submit one of someone yourself. Yeah. And that is fucking crazy, bro. It that is. is literally mental. That That is so... And you never saw... Like, you'd think that would be a sentencing for whoever got caught doing that. Yeah. And you just never heard about it again. Like you said, it's still up. Like, shit like that. It's, it's crazy that it's allowed. But the people that allow it the people that have taken part in it the people the ones who've submitted the photos so it's it will still be there 
it's it's mad. The world the world is insane, and you know that roots back to the story insanity. <laughs> Because we've Quickly fucking gone on a there. fucking U-turn here. Well, it's a midweek one, so anything goes, doesn't it? Anything goes. But I do, I feel like, like genuinely, you love who you love, you be who you want to be, and as long as you're happy and nobody else is hurt around you, not because of who you are, but because of what you're doing, okay, then you you, you can do what you want. I'm the same, I just think do you please, just don't, don't try and tell me about it, unless I ask. Yeah, just like I wouldn't, a straight relationship. Yeah, Don't like, tell me about it unless I ask. Yeah, it's like it's like when vegans and fucking like trying oh, to. Oh Jesus! <laughs> we're gonna get Listen, we're gonna I've get vegans on it for now. Vegans and I've got respect for vegetarians. I'd love to not not eat meat because it is animal. It is bad how animals can be treated. But at the yeah. same time, like I don't I don't want you to make, try and make me feel guilty. Like. I respect your choice to do that, and I hope you feel better for it yourself. Yeah. But don't try and tell me to do it. I was, um, <laughs> so when I was at uni in my third year in Leeds, my flatmate had a boyfriend who was a vegetarian and, oh, God, he wound me up. And he, we ended up arguing one night because I put fish fingers in the oven and he took my fish fingers out to put his vegetarian pies in because he didn't want our, he didn't want the smell of my fish finger juices all over on this fucking pies and I was fuming about it and he went you couldn't even do it he was like you don't have the commitment to be a vegetarian I was like I fucking do and so you were vegetarian for like 24 hours then okay six weeks I said I'd be a vegetarian for and to this day and age he still thinks I did it but what happened was I was working at the play area and we were doing we had a party and you know we, we did like crudity trays so you had crisps um, cucumber, carrot sticks, uh, cocktail sausages and all that. And, you know, the, the crudities were out, you just helped yourself. And before I'd realised I'd fucking done it, I'd thrown a cocktail sausage in my mouth and it was only like 48 hours after and I was like, shit! <laughs> but then after that, it was like some secret mission. So we used to be round all the time. At one point, I dropped a basket down on a dressing gown rope so that the guy who was delivering my Chinese... <laughs> could put it in the basket so I could lower it up so he wouldn't know I was eating meat. And then on the six weeks, he was like, you know what, Charlotte, I've got to hand it to you. You've you've really stuck to it and I'm really, you know, you should be really Mm. proud of yourself. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) But I didn't. At Forbidden Forest, Chantel fucking, Charlotte, Charlotte bought some uh, uh, pulled pork topped fries. And ate like, Charlotte's fucking leathered and she couldn't eat her. She she was done out here by this point. And she handed Chantelle the chips and Chantelle's like, I can't have them, it's got pork, like pork, pork, pulled pork all over the top of it. Yeah. Chantelle's like, just eat the pulled pork of it and then I'll have them. I was like, fuck me, you're bathing in the, <laughs> the, the chips have been bathing in the fucking pork juice. Just eat juice. the pulled pork and That's then what I mean, it. I was like, for fuck's sake, but she, I think she's still a vegetarian now, she's stuck at it for years. And I do, I do respect why it vegetarians do it, but I don't... I would never do it. Like, if I, if I decide to stop... Uh, driving my car to work and bike instead to try and reduce emissions. I'm not gonna fucking go pull everyone's other side. Get on a fucking bike and go to it. You heard about this planet? It's my decision. Yeah. So yeah, I think we'll close it up here because I've got one question. Go on then. Well, Do you? This is we'll drive it because it is yours. It's, isn't it? No, because it's a mini episode. So we're not we doing one minis. No. Right. But I do have a question. Do you believe that vegetarians and meat eaters should mix on come down with me? Uh, yeah. Do you? I think you should be able to accommodate for a vegetarian and yeah, vice versa. Oh, so a vegetarian's cooked for someone I've who's... never yet seen... I've seen 
all meat eaters prepare for the vegetarian, but the vegetarian always prepares vegetarian meal for the meat eaters. Which, I, to be fair, I'd question that the thought process behind being a vegetarian but still purchasing meat and, and cooking it. Mm. Because you may as well just fucking eat it yourself if that's the case. The guilt shouldn't come from eating it. It should come from... Um, buying into it. that system, yeah, providing them with more money to carry on doing what they're doing. So if you're going to go and buy meat, you may as well just eat it. So yeah, yeah. So do you think that sh- if they're going to do like a come die me episode, do you think it should either be you have to prepare meat for the meat eaters if they're preparing for vegetarians, or do you think you should have like a vegetarian only come dine with meat and then a meat eaters one? No, I think they should mix, and I, but I think the score should reflect. Um, because it, th- there's plenty of vegetarian dishes that you could make that would still taste really good. Yeah, there's, I've, I've had a few. But say if, say if you have a vegetarian meal that you feel's lacking a bit of meat and you can rank it down for that, then that's fine. Like, a, a good vegetarian meal should be able to be on par with a good meal with meat in. Did I ever tell you about Lisa, my head of department slash friend? No. She, she'll appreciate me saying this. So Does she we, listen? Yeah, she does. Oh. Shout out to Lisa Shipman. So we were... Um, we sometimes like to have a little cheeky KFC on a Friday after work. Don't happen often. And, you know, lockdown has prevented. However, we did just park up in Subway and eat it with our car windows open talking to each other. But she, her husband is a vegetarian, like strict vegetarian, thought about going vegan. I don't know if he actually went vegan or not. Shout out to Don. And, uh, Lisa tried to hide that she'd been to KFC, but she and so she put like her empty bones and stuff in the bucket and just stuck it in the boot before when she go, went to work the next mm. day. She fucking forgot about them, and like three weeks later, Don oh. opened the boot and there were just these chicken bone remnants like landing That's on the fucking floor. disgusting. It was stung. so funny. Can't believe it would have taken them that long. Oh, she's, she is ridiculous. She kept she kept a banana in her staff room cupboard in like her store cupboard it was black it like and i'm not talking about like it was just black and then there was the banana still in it 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 was shriveled there was more penicillin in that banana than there was banana i didn't want to touch it because i'm allergic to penicillin well i've had i've had literal mushrooms growing out of a cup in my room before well no it it was moldy as fuck but they want mushrooms if i'd have left it longer they probably would be do mushrooms grow from just, I know the fungi. Bacteria, innit? I don't, yeah, I, I don't know the know. fungi, Possibly. but I didn't know whether they're going for mushrooms. Anyway, we've circled around. We've gone back to vegetarians because meat eaters, meat eaters, Can- are sort of like cannibals. fish. Yeah, Albert fish. I was go cannibals. Meat eater. Cannibals could cannibals could work. But yeah, the the story. That's not. It's not even a bad uh, layout for the podcast because it's given us something to talk about. We've talked about the case. Then thir- Thursday episodes are about just talking about whatever talking really, shit, really. We just need and... topics and then we go off and like we've yeah. minimal notes. I definitely know what I'm going to do in the next couple of weeks though. Right. I think I'm going to do. Do you want to know? Or do you want me to be a surprise? Yeah, either or. What, do you think you'll get envious though of the one because you've got yours is next? Do you I, think I've, you'll think, I've got what I'm going to do it. next? And I'll tell you. I now. might go on. Then. Uh, I can't remember what what it's specifically called, but I know I know there's a specific name for it, and I think it's called Room Five Hundred One. And it's basically a room that you can put stuff in. Oh yeah, anything that in. That gets rid of completely, and we'll do it about film. Like I'll, I'll say about specific Ooh, films like a or topic horror. And stuff yeah. Like that. Oh, that sounds quite good. Okay, so I'm going to either do it. I've got, I could do two. I'd either do it on cults, looking at some of the most notorious cults in history, or real life crimes that inspired horror films. Right. I'm not quite sure yet. That's a good one. So anyway, that was that was our weekly episode, and 
you know, hope we've not offended anyone. <laughs> Fingers Fucking crossed. Hell. There'll be someone out there. There'll be someone out there who gets offended. They well, probably won't don't listen. listen then. Yeah. <laughs> if you get offended, don't listen. Be all right. So, we will see you on Monday For with no Annabelle. Oh shit! Yeah. You wanted to do Jaws. You've yeah. just been, you've had Jaws on the brain. Yeah, Annabelle. Yeah, Annabelle. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for listening. Okay, thanks. Bye.